0: Fifty Four. Um, so, today we're going to be going over our analysis from last week's games. So, it's been a little while, so we gotta ask, how you been doing, Colton?
1: No complaints, no complaints. Um, <laughs> what have I been up to? Let's think about this. No uh, church. I had church on Sunday, basketball today. And as much as it pains me to say it, because it's too early to do this, but I was forced into decorating for Christmas already. <laughs> and I told him, I said, It's too early. We gotta wait till Thanksgiving is over. Because we usually do it like the like the weekend after Thanksgiving. But my mom was like, Thanksgiving's too late this year and we really have <laughs> stuff going on, so we gotta get all the Christmas stuff set on. And it's like I love like yeah. it being decorated for Christmas. And, like I love having the Christmas tree up and like all this stuff. But it it gives me like almost a false sense it's like now i'm all in the christmas spirit and i want to listen to christmas music and I drink some eggnog and like chill out with the family and nice like sweaters and i do all this christmas stuff but i can't because we're still like a month and a half out now and it just gives me a false sense of reality so it's sad but it, it whatever yeah, I, I got my little christmas tree in my room which i like
0: i understand uh we don't put up christmas lights until like after thanksgiving or so like Black Friday, like the day after Black Friday, normally or or somewhere around there. It's it's not a set date, but um, I'm definitely am looking forward to Christmas. I saw some Christmas lights. Uh, one of the houses around here already has some Christmas lights up. It snowed earlier in the in the the month already. It might have snowed. In, it might have been October back then, but yeah, I'm ready for some Christmas going on. Christmas is a the most jolly time of the year, so... Indeed, indeed. <laughs> definitely. There's definitely so some you, crazy what stuff going on. Um,
1: what, what have you been up to this past Friday, I guess?
0: Well, so um, today during my gym period, I was at home. I went to get Burger King. That was fun. <laughs> what a gym class. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that on my sister's Snapchat story. Yeah, what a gym class. Um, let's see. Yeah, I know I'm, I watched some NFL football on Sunday. As I we talked about this beforehand, but yeah, I, I sent some angry texts to Colton about Tom Brady's play because I was expecting to see Anthony Brown go off, and he got three receptions. Uh, <laughs> so disappointing game there, but you got to do what you got to do. Got some homework done today. All good to go. Mondays, all the teachers are pretty chill and don't give that much homework on the first day of the week. So kudos to my to my teachers, except for my math teacher who gave us homework, but. It is
1: what it is, <laughs> but you know, we get into the news. So there is actually a relatively sizable amount, a normal, I'll say, um, to start with. A guy that every time someone's punter is bad, we, we everyone has to bring him up. Marquette can the man, the myth, the legend. Um, he is getting an NFL workout officially now um, for the yeah. Dallas Cowboys as their punter. Chris Jones has been dealing with a bit of an injury the past couple of weeks. Um, so, he will be trying out for the Dallas Cowboys along with other veteran punters, but, like, I don't know who they're going to bring in, like, maybe, probably not Dustin Colquitt, because he was awful, this, but uh, I don't know, I don't know, I hope he makes yeah. the roster, <laughs> because everybody loves Marquette King, and I'd kill to see him on a, on an NFL roster again, he was just such, he was, like, the best punter in the league, hands down, and it was so charismatic, and everybody loved him, and they didn't sign anywhere, and I don't really understand what <laughs> happened with I, I guess yeah I don't, I, don't, I don't I'm not sure what's up with that either
0: punt, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I know, he he signed with the a a f and or was it maybe that was x f l actually uh one of those smaller leagues and he was like the best punter in the league by far, but like people are like, you know it doesn't transition between leagues, but as a punter does it is it really that much different punting in uh the n f l versus a, another alternate <laughs> league i'm not sure I couldn't imagine that like for kickers like you saw Young Ku. He came from the AAF, I believe, and he's been one of the NFL's best punter kickers, honestly. Like he's been automatic with the field goals and extra points and stuff. And we even saw didn't he have two completed uh, onside kicks or so? He did he that was thinking of someone else. Uh so you know, I don't think kicking is that much different, but maybe I'm giving some, some disrespect, but I'd love to see him on the roster again. As like as far as punters go, there's not a lot of people I would rally behind. But he is one.
1: Yes, yes. So um, a small piece there. But next we're going to have another, a nice piece here. Pete Carroll, head coach for the Seattle Seahawks, has agreed to a multi-year extension with them. Um, he has been one of the best coaches in the league over the past generation, I think we can safely say. Um, he's obviously known as a player's coach. Players really love to rally around him. He's always got a big fat wad of gum in his mouth. And everybody loves Pete Carroll. I believe he's the oldest head coach in the. league. Um, we don't have the exact numbers on how long this multi-year extension is, just quite yet. But um, you will be sticking with the Seattle Seahawks, which is something that you love to see with a team like that. That's really headed in a great direction.
0: Yes, definitely. He's been. Uh, he's certainly been one of the one of the best coaches. There's an argument to be made for him being like two or three since coming in the league, as far as coaches um, are concerned. And, I mean, I would I would really like go. I mean, he's a, he's a nice guy, and you can see him on the on the sidelines. He's always got a big smile, like you said, the the gum. All the players love him. When you know he's a funny guy. I like he, as far as coaches go, he's definitely one of my my favorites. So happy to see that.
1: Um, next is, an, is something that we talked about a little bit. Sadness for for Joe's fantasy team. Um, you saw <laughs> Christian McCaffrey come back this week, finally return for the first time since week three and um he had a really good game coming back he got a lot more run than i had expected i thought they were going to try to use him back into the action he he performed very well and then he suffered and now his status for week 10 is doubtful and he miss more relatively significant time we're not sure yet mri is coming in um but we will probably miss week 10 at all likely and possibly be on. so that's really rough here for obviously a guy that we everybody else pegged as the best running back in the league last season comes in and just having an extremely injury riddled season obviously something that nobody can um nobody can prepare for but that's tough there for Christian McCaffrey fantasy owners and definitely the Carolina Panthers who are trying to bat, rally <laughs> and make some kind of crazy Miami Dolphins fashion. hopefully try to make a playoff push, play. but it's not looking good there. yeah it's
0: um it's brutal to see because I don't want to be that guy but like is kind of proving the point. You shouldn't really be paying the running backs because he's he's seen missed time, and when Mike, da- Mike Davis comes in, he plays on a relatively uh, similar level. It's not not really anywhere close, but like he's a yeah. competent running back, and he's saw some big you saw some big weeks there from him. So mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to be that guy on like just after an injury, but I mean, it just kind yeah, of I mean, proved the point.
1: <laughs> like that's the thing because it's like. All of the top running backs in the league, or at least most of them, when they get injured, you see their backups come in and perform extremely well. Because, in a large sense, being a running back in the NFL is a lot about systems. And I'm not discrediting the running backs. Obviously, they're in an important position. But in large part, it's about system. And when they go down, the backups come in and perform well. The exception to that being, of course, Derrick Henry. Um, he hasn't missed any time, but I'm fairly certain... And if Derrick Henry went down with three, Jeremy McNichols is not going to come in and perform at the same thing <laughs> just because that's not a real system. That's just hand it to your humongous running back and let him do what he wants. But you've seen it with, obviously, Christian McAfee and Mike Davis. You've seen it with uh, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, with Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, with Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. We're with so many guys, the list goes on and on, right, that this stuff happens consistently on a, on a large basis there. And so that, that's, you know, running backs are becoming less and less mm-hmm. important as time goes on, sadly. So, um, the next thing here is, yeah, if, if a, you, no, go, go, go on.
0: Uh, if you, if you go online and you look up running backs, like running backs don't matter anymore or something, you'll see a million articles about <laughs> how running backs are, are less important in today's NFL.
1: But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, this next piece of news we have here is a bit of speculation, um, Per Jason Locke and Fora, a J.J. Watt trade after them is a, quote, virtual certainty. Um, so he he phrased it as a trade. Obviously, I believe the contract is up after the season, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe there's some sort of option. I don't really know. But um, you, you saw him come out this week and express he was asked about his future in Houston, and he definitely did not give any certainties. He did not express ties to Houston. He said he's at the point in his career where championship and he's going to do what's in his best interest to get him that. And um, that's not good. If you're a Texans fan, you're a franchise guy. He put up his 100th sack of his career last week. Um, So there are obviously big celebrations there for him. Humongous feet, especially with one team. But um, it's going to be weird if this comes true to see J.J. Watt in a different uniform. And it looks like it will be. Well, for everything JJ said and from all these articles or reports, we, JJ Watt will probably not be taxing for much longer. And that's just going to be so weird to see. We obviously know he's not what he once was, but he's still a really solid player. So that's going to be just so strange.
0: Yeah. And if I was on Instagram, I would be tagging the Steelers on this post because that's not like they. I don't think they're going to sign JJ Watt, but it would be awesome to see the three brothers teamed up He's an amazing player. Um, yeah. The cap does not allow, and unless JJ Watt takes a big old pay cut, it does not seem as though yeah. he's going to be <laughs> on the Steelers. And it's not like he really wouldn't even. I feel like compared to stuff on it and Cameron Hayward right now, is he that much better? Like I'm, I'm JJ Watt no, is a generational no, no. talent.
1: There's no argument to made know, for him being <laughs> better than either of the players, but <clears throat> he'd be okay. Like, yeah. You can obviously Cam Hayward but has like, made a large. Of course, I'm not
0: discrediting him. There's an argument to be made for J.J. Watt being the best.
1: In theory, if J.J. Watt wanted to um, play for Pittsburgh, it would work when you just slide Cam Hayward to defensive tackle, a position he's very familiar at. And J.J. Watt on the other end and just run 3-4, but um, you're going to have to get rid of Bud Dupree definitely, and you're not going to be able to bring Mike Hilton back, possibly Sutton and you're going to have to let a lot of guys go there. Which is kind of sad. And I just don't know if you're yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you're willing to. If I'm them, obviously Bud Dupree is having a stellar season this year. And he's a player that's, you know, been in talks to be extended in talks to be franchise tagged once again. And, but I'm not giving up Dupree slash Hilton slash Sutton if that's what it takes. Um, Maybe Juju even, like at, yeah, at that yeah, point. potentially. Hey, I, I don't know. I'm not. But obviously, it's I don't the, know. Like, just it, 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 we don't. I don't exactly know what JJ Watt's going like to be demanding in free agents. A few seasons that were not necessarily very good. And as we speak, um, the the a commercial a subway commercial for with the three Watt brothers <laughs> comes up on the TV <laughs> on the Monday Night Football game. So this is maybe speak of the devil. Maybe this is a foreshadowing.
0: Maybe just maybe. But um, it's like if in reality though, if he really wants to win. A chip here. I think I I hate to be the guy to just every edge rusher is going to Seattle, but like that'd be awesome to see. I'm, they've been like a Carlos Davis, they signed um, some guys there that they, they want a veteran presence, but uh, the production hasn't been there yet. I mean, they're all new, and I, I, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit too early. I don't even think Carlos Davis has played in there yet, um, and uh, I cannot remember his name at the moment but i don't think he's he might even be off the practice squad just yet so um in reality though like if he won if he wants a, a real if he wants to be a title contender maybe the cardinals i feel like the cardinals would be cool but that's two thoughts that'd there. be
1: okay like but it all just comes down to development the Team, i don't know where i would be it i really it's like, very Pittsburgh like, <laughs> probably has one of the highest odds and they're a contender at this point, yeah. but obviously there's so many things that we're, nobody knows. Green Bay or something that Lord knows. So I don't know. But, That's a good point. Um, good point. Next could be good, or not good, but like it could be important. It could be unimportant. Um, Baker Mayfield has been placed on the COVID night. The Cleveland Browns quarterback. And while the Cleveland Browns are on bye week this week, which is good, obviously they have to play with their backup quarterback. Um, If he is not able to. Return from the COVID 19 list by next week, they're going to have to go into the next game with Case Keenum as the starting quarterback. And while Case Keenum has proven to be a capable quarterback over the years, um, he is not necessarily at this point in his career that good as a starter. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Cleveland manages this. We don't, it's not, you know, it just comes down to testing positive, negative, and We'll see what happens there, but they're in a better situation than many teams with Case Keenum as the backup. But obviously, if you can have your starting quarterback in the game, you want him in the game. So, yeah, yeah,
0: I, there's not much to say there. In reality, That's, yeah. the, the, there's a there's a lot of procedures that I have to go through, and you know he could be very well play next week, and they'll never have to worry about it, especially since they're on the bye. So, yeah. it just depends if, if you can get the two negative tests quick enough or, or whatever.
1: So, the next two, the last two, are two things that actually came out today. We talked about two episodes ago, it was about Tack McKinnon talking about how he had requested a trade the past two seasons. The Falcons were turning stuff down for him. So, in theory, you would think then, right? The Fal- He said the Falcons last year turned on a second round and this year turned on a fifth and a sixth round pick for him. So, you're th- I'm thinking, at least I'm thinking. Well, they turned on these picks for him. That means then they like him. They want him him to stick around, and that's interesting because he currently leads the NFL. I did not know this until very recently. He is number one in the NFL in quarterback pressure percentage. 22% of snaps he's on the field, he pressures the quarterback. So the highest mark in the league. Obviously, he Mm -hmm. has been not getting as many snaps as he has deserved um, this season just because of this, that, whatever else. But um, the Falcons have released it. So I'm, I'm questioning why they decide not to trade him for a fifth and a sixth round pick and then less than two weeks later just release him. I don't understand what happened between then and now, but obviously hindsight's 2020, and they definitely should have taken the trade request if that's something that actually was proposed. But Todd McKinley will hit the market. He's an interesting soul. Um, he's He's a big personality, but... Any team that's looking for edge rushing could definitely use him. I'm looking. my My prediction here is the Tennessee Titans. That's what I'm saying. They've hmm. Vic Beasley. They, you know, and they haven't been in. Jaden Clowney has not necessarily been doing Genevieve and Clowney type things, and they're not able to get a lot of pressure without Shelby Harrison. So my prediction is the Tennessee Titans. We'll, we'll see how it plays out.
0: I like it. I'm not gonna. I already gave my. I gave JJ. You give McKinley. So. We're our edge-rushing predictions for the day. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Um, and the next thing is, is sad news. We saw Dwayne Haskins get benched for Kyle Allen earlier in the season. We saw Kyle Allen versus the New York Giants go down with a scary-looking ankle. Um, according to Ian Rappaport, Kyle Allen has dislocated his ankle officially and will probably <sighs> not return this season for the Washington football team. Um, so now the starting quarterback for Washington is Alex Smith. We saw him come in in that game and perform terribly. He threw one touchdown and three interceptions. But, um, yeah, he'll be moving. They're not going to bring it back to Dwayne Hoskins for whatever reason. Dwayne Haskins will be activated. We will be active now on game days, but just as a backup, because they'll be starting Alex Smith. And I believe Alex Smith has shot up to number one in comeback player of the year odds, <laughs> if I'm not <laughs> mistaken, after not seeing, seeing the field and performing terribly because comeback player of the year, a feel-good story award, basically. We all know that, right? It's like, it's not necessarily about who actually, it's not like most improved player like the, you know, NBA has. It's just who has the biggest feel-good story that came back and did good this season. (laughs) So, you know, if Alex Smith does remotely well, they're going to throw him a bone and give him the award. I personally, as well as I'm sure you personally, believe that Ben Roethlisberger is deserving of the award. Um, well, we were both intrigued by Cam Newton's possibilities. When we predicted it, Cam Newton had obviously not signed with a team, um, but he's not performing very well this year. And Ben Roethlisberger is performing pretty well, even though this game, Cam Newton's actually, his his passing accuracy is pretty good, even though he's being pressured excessive amounts. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I give Big Bang comeback player of the year. I mean, Alex Smith has the highest odds currently. We don't want to so, give away too many game.
0: of our, I don't want to. We don't want to give away too many of our awards though, because that'll be our next episode. Will be our mid-season awards. So, but we already, you already know who our comeback player of the years are. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, that was a given. So, with that, that's that's the news we've got here for today. We're going to get into our analysis of all of the Sunday football games. Um, Monday night football is almost over, so by the end of the show, we will probably be able to give you our analysis of the Monday night football game. Um, so, Sunday night F- or Sunday football. I'm sorry. We're going to start us off here. We went over our Thursday game on Friday, Green Bay versus San Francisco. We're going to start it off. It's where obviously we're going to start things off with the Steelers versus the Cowboys here. Pittsburgh wins this one at 24-19 to advance to 8-0 on the season for the first time in franchise history. And this was a scary one. Um, you saw AFVP Garrett Gilbert come in and start for the Cowboys unexpectedly <laughs> and perform extremely well. Um, I did not expect him to be able to perform the way that he did. Obviously, that tends to happen a lot when you get a new guy in there. He does well the first game, and then he falls off because obviously don't have the film on this, that, whatever else. But um, yeah, the Dallas was in the game, and you saw Big Ben get shaken up with a knee injury uh, towards the second half. He comes back with the knee injury to lead a touchdown drive, and then heads to the locker room. Then the Steelers get fumble recovery. It was a fumble recovery, and interception. I don't remember, but I turn, I take away right. You're and the then, <laughs> yeah, some sort of takeaway. And Mason Rudolph has to stride out into the field. And Joe, we've had the, the thing many, many, you know, is Mason Rudolph the future of the Steelers? He was he was awful, man. Like don't he was bad. Yeah, it was not a good, it was not a good job for Mason. Did Rudolph, he even warm up though? I say. Probably not. But like maybe the I wouldn't. The arm was looking a little tender, but like the reads were looking kind of bad. And he was holding the ball too long. And <laughs> he he looked ugly and it was not a good good thing for me. And I was interested in this game. Um, James Conner did not get utilized like whatsoever. No. Like there was uh-huh. there was a drive in the first half where like they were run after run after run, and they ran like three with Benny Snell and like three with Anthony McFarlane. And then we, it was a fourth down in inches, and instead of feeding it to James Connor or fourth and one or something, instead of James Conner, and it's to put Benny Snell in the game, and he did not get the fourth down. And James Conner just didn't get a lot of carries at all. But um, our top performer we're gonna have uh, has, mainly from, Steve.
0: from from a James Conner uh, fantasy owner, I can tell you, James Conner did not get many fantasy up, op- did not get many uh, runs there. He had yeah. four points, so <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's hard. I don't, to, think he got I don't know, deceptions. maybe uh, no, yeah, he he had he did not get much run there. But we saw Anthony McFarlane come in; he had some. A few uh, pretty decent runs, but it wasn't he like
1: came in front of guy he uh, that looks like he has a lot of potential, but he just kind of doesn't have his feet under him at this point. Like it's just yeah a matter of fundamentals and learning that. But um, our top performers we're gonna have here: Big Ben Roethlisberger, three hundred and six yards and three touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster, um, one of the better games, probably the best game of his season so far. Six receptions for ninety-three yards and a touchdown. We have Minka Fitzpatrick. Six tackles, one interception, two passes defended, and a fumble recovery. And we're going to have T.J. Watt because he had only one tackle and only half a sack, but he had three passes defended in crucial moments, getting up and tipping the ball at the line of scrimmage. Um, really important plays there. And then for the Cowboys, we're only going to have one, being C.D. Lamb. Four receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown for him. And, yeah, this game is a, it was a was a really close one, actually. Um, Pittsburgh was able to eke it out. It was an ugly one, but a win is a win, and Pittsburgh improves to eight zero for the first time.
0: Oh yeah, very exciting days. And you can roast the Steelers all you want about how they almost lost to a AAF quarterback, but you know, I, there's a, a lot that goes into it. And I think one thing I think they really, really kind of like set this the team off off the edge almost, if that's a a good term to use, is that Zeke was project. He was, he was basically called out, and then at the very last minute, they decided, oh, no, Zeke is going to actually play this game, and then that's a big thing. Like I don't know if they game plan for Zeke or not. They, they, you know, I feel like that's a big mental thing that can kind of get good. you off
1: your game. Because I know but, there was a big Mike Tomlin quote, and it was like, they asked him about the quarterbacks, so and he was like, um, I don't care who the quarterback is. <laughs> we, we care about Zeke. it was like, oh, geez. <laughs> that's kind of mean, but yeah, I mean, it's,
0: yeah, I mean, I would much rather have seen Ben DiNucci, and, but, <laughs> I mean, there you can assume Garrett Gilbert is going to be the starting quarterback there for for a few weeks until at least until Andy Dalton comes back because he played so good um, against the top defense there. But up next here, a game I thought was going to be really, really good turned out to be pretty one sided Baltimore versus Indianapolis. Baltimore wins 24-10. to 10. This was a game I actually watched, and uh, it was not worth my time because Baltimore just absolutely dominated. Um, it honestly looked like the Colts were... I thought the Colts might win when I first started watching this game because Baltimore could not get, could not get anything going on the offensive side of the ball, and the uh, the Colts were like leading. They had a lot of yards in the first half, like maybe 200 or so, and no, it wasn't 200, but in the second half, they had like... A net of, like, 15 offensive yards. The Baltimore defense came out and absolutely stifled Phillip Rivers. Lamar Jackson is a player of the game here. He didn't have a great – he was had a very efficient day through the air. 19 completions on 23 attempts for 170 yards. On the ground, On 13, for 13 attempts, he had 58 yards and a touchdown. Gus Edwards had a touchdown, too. So, interesting little note there. Nick Boyle actually led the day receiving with 46 yards. But other than that, no one really did anything good there. On the defensive side of the ball, though, was where there's some really some really good performances. Um, Marcus Peters had four tackles and an interception, and four bowl. Malik Harris actually um, had six tackles there, and Marcus Peters is is probably my player of the game though, with with such an impressive defensive stat line on on the offense for the Colts. Philip Rivers has 233 passing yards, but most of them came in the first half. One interception, not a great, not a great game there on the ground. Nothing was going for the Colts, nor really through the air either. Michael Pittman loved the day with fifty-six receiving yards, but that's nothing, <laughs> nothing really. Darius Leonard, though, what a man! Thirteen tackles, crazy day for him. Um, other than that, though, there really wasn't much going for the Colts. Sad game because I thought it was really close, but you know, you get things like that happen when you're facing such a, such a stacked
1: team. Yeah, this is a game that I was very surprised at the outcome of um, Seattle and Buffalo. Buffalo takes it by 10, 34 to 44. And I would not expect the first game that Seattle's able to actually get a good bit of pressure off is the game that they lose. Um, our top performers here we're going to have are DK Metcalf, seven receptions for 108 yards and a touchdown. We have David Moore, four receptions, 71 yards and a touchdown. And I'm going to I give Jamal Adams a player of the game and hear me out. His stat line: five tackles, a tackle for loss, and 1.5 sacks. Looks good, but he was god awful. He is ranked by Pro Football Focus like 78th out of like 91 safety in coverage. Like obviously he's a really good safety, and they're playing in box a lot. This he's been he's had some injury issues, but he has looked bad this year. And that's not to say that that can't pick up, but it's it's not looking good so far. Um, so that's a sack and a half for him. We saw Carlos Dunlap get a sack. And um, 2.5 uh, sacks for Jaron Reed, um, <laughs> along with four tackles and two tackles for loss for him. So they were actually able to get the quarterback a decent bit, but to no avail, as Josh Allen goes sick him of him, 415 yards and four total <laughs> touchdowns. Um, Stephon Diggs is going to get nine receptions for 118 yards, 99 receiving yards for John Brown. AJ Klein had a really nice stat line there for Buffalo five tackles, one tackle for loss. Two sacks, a forced fumble, and a recovery. And then Tre'Davious White, the man, the myth, the legend. Eight tackles, one tackle for loss, one interception, a pass defended in a fumble recovery. His interception actually almost went for a touchdown, but it did not. But yeah, um, Russell Wilson struggled. With interceptions. Um, the running game wasn't going anywhere. Where the running back that got the most run, I guess, uh, repetition there, but he got the most. The most carries, I believe, was DJ Dallas. Obviously he's not a terrible running back, but he's just Carson. Um and I, I I don't know what was the Seahawks there. You would think putting up thirty four points this Buffalo defense would get you a win, but it does not, and so much to talk about with Seattle's defense. It's just still looking bad. Um and i you know, hopefully it picks up as you start to get guys a little bit more acclimated to this team, some of the new additions. But um we'll see. There's so many petitions now to fire. Seattle's defensive coordinators, that one of else, but Buffalo takes this one by ten, three-four to forty-four.
0: I know this one. Uh, so I was I was actually sitting in church and I normally t- I would turn on my watch like when I'm in church and it, um, turn it on to do not disturb. And it was the very beginning and I yeah and I saw a notification that the game ended and it was forty yeah, I saw forty-four points by the Buffalo Bills. That is insanity. Um, for an offense that's been almost struggling in recent weeks. Josh Allen hasn't looked the same as the beginning. He had yeah he went off. Uh, Probably, probably close to a career game. I know he's had some crazy, crazy good games versus the uh, the Dolphins. So early in his earlier in his career. So that's interesting, but definitely a game that I did not expect to go that way. But on onto on here in NFC North matchup, the Vikings versus the Lions. The Lions win. I mean, not the Lions win. The Vikings win thirty four to twenty. Kirk Cousins is only asked to blow, throw the ball twenty times. For 220 yards and three touchdowns, so I mean, that's a nice efficient day for him. But the king of the 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 king of the show here is Dalvin Cook on 22 attempts, 206 yards, two touchdowns, and through the air he got two two passes for 46 yards, no receiving touchdowns, but that's not a big deal. Yeah, that's just a, an amazing cool. stat line that's for him. He can yeah, Dalvin Cook continues to, to really impress whenever he's healthy. Justin Jefferson, loved the day, with receiving yards was 64 yards, but Irv Smith, who only had two receptions for 10 yards, also had two touchdowns, which I, I tend to find that interesting for a young tight end like that. <laughs> On the defensive side of the ball, um, Eric Wilson actually had eight tackles in an interception. I believe that's his name. I'm Yeah, Eric Wilson, that was correct. Uh, you know, it is, it's a lot of good games. Harrison Smith also had, had seven tackles an interception, too. So, good game for those guys. This is kind of a, a domination for the for the Vikings here. We saw Matthew Stafford go down with an injury. He said, but before that, he threw for 211 yards. Touchdown, two interceptions. Jason Daniels really didn't do much, but he threw a touchdown. The under Swift, the rookie out of Georgia, continues to impress me, at the very least, with 64 rushing yards. And through the air, he had 33 receiving yards. So... That's a good sideline for him. Interesting thing I see here is that they can the Lions continue to give Adrian Peterson like eight plus carries every single week. This is another eight carries for twenty nine yards And his, but yeah, his average is abysmal. Like I'm not sure why they're doing this because Carryon Johnson, yeah, you have the carries in the same amount of yards. So I mean, if you're good, maybe they're trying to keep a, a hard nosed runner in there for a change of pace guy, but I don't. If I, I might change that. Danny Amendola probably had his, his best game as a line that I've seen, 77 receiving yards on seven receptions. So he hasn't played great since he came to the Lions. But Desmond Trufant had a had a four tackles and a sack. Interesting stat line for him. He led the day in tackles, and I'm pretty sure he had the lone sack as well. So interesting. very interesting game. Did I say the Lions? Were, I think I said the Lions were going to win this game. Unless Dalvin Cook had a really big game, Dalvin Cook had a really big game. So
1: yeah, it's crazy. He got over two hundred net yards and two touchdowns in the past two games um, after coming back from injury. The man is a uh, prop. I don't. I think I would say Derek. He's definitely top five running back, but he's pushing top three. Yeah. I, you you could say. I think last season I had him at four, if I'm not mistaken, or five. One of the two. Yeah, I think I had, you did. no, I had him at five. I had him at five because I'd zed four. Obviously, I have Dalvin Cook. Far above Zeke at this point. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see. But Dalvin <laughs> Cook is an absolute monster. He's one of the most fun players in the league to watch. Um, he's so fun. But yeah, Vikings. As long as Dalvin yeah, Cook's I think at this enough, point, fun, like can be good. yeah. I mean, at this point, you have to um
0: to wonder if like Alexander Madison is comes in and he does good, but he does not do as good as, as um uh, as Dalvin Cook. So yeah. when you say the running backs aren't worth the money, he's there's still a running back can come in and do good, but he puts up like a different level of, of good.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's, it's that's still a system
0: to an extent, but it's not the same.
1: And it's important, you know, that that argument largely the quarterback. When Terry Cousins, who's been struggling profusely this season, um, that's when you really need Dalvin Cook to come in and have those big games in order to win. So um, um the next game we're gonna have here is Denver versus Atlanta game that I got correct. Atlanta took the W here, 34-27. to 27. Um, Top players, we're going to have Drew Locke with 313 yards and three total touchdowns, one pick. Jerry Judy, seven receptions, 125 yards and a touchdown. And then for the Falcons, we're going to have Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, 284 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Leading receiver for them, Olamide Zacchaeus, four receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown. And then on the defensive side of the ball, we've got Foyasad, Alua Khan. With ten tackles, a tackle for loss, a sack, and a pass defended um this is this was a good game um atlanta was ahead by a lot more in the beginning, but obviously Denver was able to to close the gap as time went on towards the fourth quarter. Denver got down. I actually thought they were going to be in a position to potentially tie this game up, but obviously Atlanta's defense was able to come away with a stop and um yeah, this was just—I wasn't able to to watch the majority of this game, but Jerry Judy probably had the best season of his NFL career so far with 125 yards and a touchdown. And hopefully, this is the game that starts to kind of break him out of his shell as the the true number one there without Cortland Sutton. As thus far, I mean, Jerry Judy, I believe, is number one on the depth chart, but like Tim Patrick has been outperforming so far in the in wake of Cortland Sutton's injury. So hopefully this will be the breakout game for Jerry Judy, but the Falcons are going to take this one by seven.
0: Yeah, that was that was one the game I got to watch, but I did see a lot of highlights from Jerry Judy. He had the one crazy route where he like faked the fade and he like put his hand up like he was calling for the ball, and then he came back in. The guy like went out of the frame. Crazy game, crazy. I mean, crazy play. But so up next here, a game. That uh, I pre- I predicted the Titans to win. The Titans won 24-17. And it was interesting. This is probably the best game Nick Foles has had since his playoff run with the Eagles. I don't think, in, in my memory, I don't see him having a game this good. He had four total touchdowns. They still do not win now. Wait, did he? Never mind. I was wrong. <laughs> uh, Three touchdowns. I saw that somewhere. Three touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown. No, he did not have a rushing touchdown. I'm seeing things. I, th- I swear I saw he had a rushing touchdown. Either way, um, Ryan Tannehill had a really, a <laughs> really a bad game. He had only 10 completions, 158 yards and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry also didn't have a very good game. This is a tough Bears defense to get past. He only had, yes. yeah, Derrick Henry only had 68 yards. A.J. Brown only had, <laughs> only had a 101 yards. What a down game for him. There's a touchdown for him hmm. to Johnny Smith. One week after I dropped him into waivers, caught a touchdown. But at least I got Eric Ebron, who also had a touchdown. So, evens out a little bit. Nice, really nice. On the defensive side of the ball for the Titans, uh, no one really had a crazy game. let us I didn't see any crazy stats there. On the offensive side of the ball, you know, Nick Foles threw for 335 yards, threw for two touchdowns. Um, Allen Robinson had a good game for him there for uh, 181 yards. Then Jimmy Graham had a touchdown, as well as the running back, Ryan Nall. You don't know, see, see him come up a lot in highlights. And then Roquan Smith had nine tackles and a sack. So Roquan Smith has had an underrated season. His stats have looked nice um, as far like when I see. And I haven't watched him play a lot, but he, I feel like he's developing into a really nice player. He was someone I really wanted the Steelers to draft, but he, did not, he didn't fall anywhere close to the Steelers. So that yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel McCullers. Daniel McCullers. Had three
1: tackles. (laughs) Yeah. What team was he on? I didn't even know he was in the league. He's on the Bears.
0: I didn't know that either. I just saw it. Unless there's another D McCullers.
1: Yep, Dan McCullers. Big old Dan. I did did not know that he signed with the Bears. That's interesting. He's awful. Go ahead. Go off. (laughs) We're going to have here a game. I'm flexing on you again with the game that I predicted correctly. The, The Chargers... And the Raiders, which was it was questionable whether I predicted I whether I should have predicted it correctly or not. Um uh, well, Derek Carr, 165 yards and two touchdowns. And then Justin Herbert, 326 yards and two touchdowns. Kalen Balage was activated off of the Chargers practice squad and got the bulk of the carries for them. 15 attempts for 69 yards, and nice and touchdown. Keenan Allen led the day receiving nine receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown. And then Michael Williams went five receptions for 81 yards. Um, this was a game where you actually saw a touchdown on the final play of the game by the Chargers that would have won them this game um, end up getting overturned and they lost the game. And that was the big meme. Like, you know, they they find ways to lose all these games. And we talked about, like, the Falcons with Todd Gurley. Like, you know, they'd lost this. Like, you know who, who knew that they would have lost this game by scoring a touchdown? But the Chargers there's there's a big picture going around it said fine, it was like 31 to whatever like 33 or something whatever score the the Raiders had and it said fine, or it or 31 to 32 and it said final the Raid the Chargers win and it was like man a really nice Chargers win no way they can blow this one and then they ended up actually losing and the Chargers actually made like an Instagram post about it that said they won on the last play which was pretty funny but um then they didn't win, so it was a rough. One. It was a rough one for Chargers fans. They're crying themselves to sleep. But with all the losses, and with all the bleeds, just know that you have your quarterback. It's more. It's more than many teams can say. That you have a very promising young quarterback that could lead you very far someday. So, do them. And then, um, for the for the Vegas Raiders, they're just doing their thing, thing this season, man. They're criminally underrated as a team. And when that offensive line is back to it, they're one of the better teams in this league, definitely. So mm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as as we as we watch this, the um, New England Patriots kicking game-winning field goal. What looks to be a thriller of a game. I didn't get to watch it, but Colton has it on, and I see the play-by-play coming up in the bottom, so that's nice. But a NFC East matchup, everyone's least favorite division. Daniel Jones, two hundred twelve yards and a touchdown in the win, twenty-three to twenty, which is kind of a good game. Wayne Gallman. As the leading rusher, 68 yards in the touchdown. Wayne Gallman is a very steady guy. You you, you know what you get with Wayne Gallman. <laughs> Wayne Gallman is like I like mm, like mashed potatoes. I'm gonna
1: I've always liked him. I kind I'm of gonna, w- wish that they would give him the ball a lot and kind of take some tears away from Devonte Freeman, who's kind of not good anymore. But whatever.
0: <laughs> Evan Ingram, who he didn't lead the day in receiving yards, but he did have a touchdown. So you got to give him that. The benefit of the doubt. And on the defensive side of the ball here for the Giants, Logan Ryan, seven whew, seven tackles, an interception, and a forced fumble. What a game for him. Alex Smith comes in for the injured Kyle Allen. Throws the ball 32 times, 24 completions, 325 yards, a touchdown, but three interceptions. A uh, rough game there for him. Uh, Antoine Gibson was a, a minimal impact player, but... We saw Terry McLaurin have 115 yards and a touchdown. And then Cam back there had a great game as well, 110 yards. So two wide receivers over 100 yards, which is an interesting thing to be seen from a team like the Washington football team that doesn't exactly have the most dynamic receiving threats. And Ronald Darby had six tackles, which is good for a.
1: Darby, the man, man, yeah. I was Ronald Darby.
0: Uh, I did not know he was on Washington. Washington. Washington.
1: That was one of my guys um, back when, in not the day. The when Buffalo was my, my second favorite team. There were the guys that I loved. I <laughs> loved Tyrod, Shady McCoy, Sammy, ah, Stephon Gilmore, and Ronald Darby. Those were my guys, and now every single one of them are gone. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. it, it's whatever. But the Bills are good. Ah, no. uh,
0: well, Shady Shady McCoy was one of my favorite guys too. Shady, oh man, I love Shady, but sadly, sadly enough,
1: is, his yes, best oh,
0: years yeah, are behind yeah,
1: him. I loved Ronald Jones, not Ronald, Ronald Darby, I mean, and he's not very really <laughs> good at this point, so that that kind of sucks. But you know, yeah. Um, now we're gonna probably the game of the week, Miami, and it was one that I did get wrong and Joe got right. Um, Miami takes the win here, thirty-four to thirty-one. Surprisingly, on the backs of Miami's stellar um, Tua Tagovailoa, his two career starts. Um, He goes 248 yards in touchdowns. Shaq lost him. Three tackles, a tackle for loss, a fumble recovery touchdown for him. And then the man, the myth, the legend, Kyler Murray, absolutely went off. 283 yards, three touchdowns, and then 106 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown for him. Um, And then for Christian Kirk. Had a really amazing game, over 100 yards and five receptions and a touchdown. One of the better games of his career. Absolutely one-off for them. You saw that crazy deep ball, 50-plus yard touchdown from Kyler Murray. Um, This is a game where Kyler Murray played exceptionally well versus that Miami defense. They were able to come away with a very, very important football. Some very important big plays down the stretch. And Tua Tagovailoa was able to get it done. The man, the myth, the legend. It's so fun watching Tua play football. But it's a little bit weird because he's left-handed. So everything looks just... A slight bit awkward. But um this was a yeah. crazy back and forth game overall. There's an insane number of lead switches. And Miami is a very good football team. Um they've won four straight and like they are consistently getting better and better, being more and more criminally underrated as time goes on. So um the Cardinals are still a good football team, but Miami is also a good football team. So props to them.
0: Yes, yeah, props to them. We have an AFC South matchup here, Houston versus Jacksonville. Houston just squeaks away 27 to 25. Deshaun Watson passed for 281 yards, two touchdowns, rushed for 50 yards. David Johnson had a touchdown, 41 yards. So you got some run there today. The Will Fuller had 100 yards on the dot and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks had 83 yards in the touchdown, only three receptions. Jeez, that's a low <laughs> reception percentage yeah, on the defensive side of the ball me, like, for
1: the like Texans.
0: Yeah. On uh, Zach Cunningham with five tackles, he continues. And Justin Reed also had five tackles. So those young players can well, – I'm not sure how young Zach Cunningham is, but they continue to do pretty well there. For the Jaguars, you saw young Jake Lutton came in over Gardner Minshew. I'm pretty sure my little prediction was that Minshew wouldn't start the whole season. So yeah, I guess that one's right.
1: Luton because of an injury, but – I guess, technically, you're right.
0: Uh, never mind. Okay, I did not know that Mitch was injured. Uh, 300, was was he, did he catch the coronavirus? Is that why?
1: Um, I don't think, Maybe yeah. That? Okay. He had it earlier, like, he was one of the first players to get it, but I don't think, he got. I don't even know if it's possible to get it again. Okay. I don't actually know. I'm not sure, yeah.
0: But anyway, you see Jake Lutton come in, and has a, he has a great game. 304 passing yards, a touchdown and an interception, and then a 13-yard rush touchdown where he absolutely, juked the socks out of someone with a spin move. I guess he's spun the socks off of someone. Right in the end zone. Almost won the game. They go for a... Ironically enough, they go for a, a two-point conversion. He throws a pass to DJ Tark, who's relatively open in the flats, and throws the worst ball I've ever seen, like, right into the dirt. DJ Tark oh, looks man, so sad be because bad. he, like... He, he could have caught the, the game-tying, t- like, two-point conversion, and Jake lum just throws a awful pass. James Robinson... Had 99 rushing uh, yards and a touchdown, so solid game for him there. DJ Tark, as I just mentioned, 146 yards and a touchdown. DJ Tark is becoming a top, dare I say, he's becoming a top 10 receiver in the NFL, dare I say. Joe Schobert, yeah, five tackles. Um, so I don't know, but DJ Tark is a underrated a, player. Sir. He he's he's very much so, and he's kind of like Allen Robinson that he's playing with these bummy quarterbacks and like. Not just and no, I'm not hating on Minshew, Matt, M- Magic Minshew, or whatever his nickname is these days. Minshew cool man, man. Minshew. But he's not. He, you know, he's not a quarterback who's uh, a top tier quarterback.
1: May I say that? <laughs> you may, you may. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I wouldn't go as far as the TJ Chuck is a top ten, but um, he's definitely. That's why really, I said dare. I say yeah. You dare, dare you? I don't know. Um, but. He's definitely a really good writer, receiver, really, really underrated. So, I love him there in, in Jacksonville. Um, the next game was a boring one. Um, Sunday Night Football. I fully expected a great game. New Orleans versus Tampa Bay. Right? Joe expressed it a little bit earlier. We were watching this game trying to trying to see our man Antonio Brown. See what he would do in his first game. He comes away with, like, a few... Uh, a few catches, like three catches for like 31 yards. I don't have a written down, but I want to say it was 31 yards for him, and um, that that was it for him. And this is a game where obviously, as we know, um, New Orleans dominated 38-3, to 31-0 at halftime, the largest deficit at halftime of Tom Brady's career. You saw him throw for over 200 yards, but zero touchdowns in three interceptions. The first time Tom Brady has thrown three interceptions 2011, uh, and nothing was going their way You saw, as per usual, Marshawn Lattimore Locked down Mike Evans Marshawn Lattimore does not lock down really anyone Besides Mike Evans, it seems like But deal with that information as you will um, We're going to have Drew Brees He throws for 222 yards and four touchdowns And then defensively We're going to have Trey Hendrickson Three tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks um, And then and that was the story Michael Thomas came back, but obviously he didn't Perform amazingly um, Alvin Kamara was under had an underwhelming performance, but just the offense as a whole, they were completing passes to so many different receivers. Taysom Hill got seven rushing. Wh- wh- why, like, why in the world did they give Taysom Hill seven? At- you saw Jameis Winston come in actually and throw for like ninety some yards, I believe. Um, threw a few passes, and after they were up by so much, and decided Drew didn't need to play anymore, but. And then after the game, Jameis Winston did the classic thing when they were interviewing Drew Brees, and he came up and he ate the <laughs> W in Drew Brees' interview. So, luckily, oh, Jameis was violent. Jameis Winston was violent. He's interesting. I want to see him back playing. I miss Jameis Winston. He was say what you want about him. He was really like his play style was really strange, but like he was so fun to watch. You can't even admit it was not fun. You can't say it's not you fun wanna... watching the Buccaneers game where Jameis Winston's throwing for like 450 yards per game. Like it's crazy. He might throw yeah. three picks, three touchdowns, but it's fun. It's fun.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very fun. I I don't know what team he. I want to see what team he's going to play for. Maybe he he actually decides to stick it out and wait for uh for for Breeze to retire. I kind of f- could see Breeze retiring this off season, oh, yeah. but that's that's There's way out there.
1: A real <laughs> chance Breeze retires this off season. And if you hate Michael Thomas, you're not going to like it if there isn't the starting quarterback in the. Oh, Okay, Michael Thomas's stats are going to go through the roof. I hate to say it, but if you don't like Michael Thomas, sucks for you because you're going to see Michael Thomas to believe me. And when Jameis Winston is bombing that thing fifty yards down the field every play, you're going to know Michael Thomas is here. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, this is a game that is is in the contention for game of the week. Carolina and the Chiefs. The Panthers versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs win by two points, thirty-three to thirty-one. I did not predict this much of an offensive implosion. But, hey, I was not complaining. A lot of highlights that come out of this game. Patrick Mahomes with four touchdowns, 372 yards, uh, zero rushing yards. <laughs> Clyde edwards Lair had a terrible game. This was not a rushing yard game because neither of the teams did. Travis Kelsey had 159 receiving yards. Tyreek Hill had 113 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Donovan Robinson had a touchdown. Clyde edwards had a receiving touchdown. Loving Bell had negative five receiving yards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interestingly enough. Oh, for On the no. defense side of the ball, Daniel Sorensen, what a guy, eight tackles and a forced fumble. Brashad Breland had seven tackles. So, you know, Brashad Brillen is a tackle machine. Him and Mike Hilton, interestingly enough. But yes. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater had a Great game. I wonder if this is a career – this might not be. This probably isn't a career game. This could be. Mm -hmm. 310 yards, two touchdowns. Never mind. There's no way that is, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Christian McCaffrey, only 69 rushing yards. Nice. And a rushing touchdown. Teddy Bridgewater had a rushing touchdown, too. Curtis Samuel, though. This was a great game for him. 105 receiving yards. He got all of his nine targets, so a touchdown there, too. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had 82 receiving yards, now that I look at it, and a touchdown. Robbie Anderson had a solid receiving day. Was sixty three yards, not the impressive touchdowns that line from for Bridgewater, but a a good one nonetheless. And then you see Russell Douglas, a, a guy there lead today the in tackles with five, but there were multiple players with five. He was just on the top of the list there. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But this, they was going on defensively in this game. If we're, you can tell by the score, well, strangely enough, there was. There was only 130 combined rushing yards, and almost a hundred of them came from the Panthers. So yeah. nothing was going on in the rushing game. there for, for the Chiefs, I mean, look at the if I look at the total yards here, the Panthers have 435 total yards, and the Chiefs only have like have pretty, basically have 400 on the dot. So yeah. a difference of 30 yards there, which I guess comes in the rushing game because I mean, Mahomes had more passing yards, so interesting to say the very least but this game would have been this is my type of game i love offensive games so i don't it wasn't on so i didn't get to watch it but i might go back and watch it back because it seems like it'll be awesome this is a chiefs and rams monday night football you know game of the year type like if you love offense you're gonna love this game and i love i love the offensive side of the ball, so yeah maybe I'll, I'll give it a watch
1: yeah was that the last game that you had, or do you have one more?
0: That was the last game I had.
1: Okay, so here's the last game I had. what we want to do? Just finished. All right. Monday Night Football oh, on the New York Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Yes. Joe Flacco,
0: <laughs> Joe Flacco started... 26 fantasy
1: points. Yeah, he went off. Um, the the Patriots <laughs> beat the Jets in a barn burner, 30 to 27. You saw them um, convert a field goal with a zero seconds left to win the game. As Cam Newton is able to, contri- to complete. Um, they come back, drive from his own, like, 10-yard line with 46 seconds left. He, he kind of went nuts. And the man that went nuts for him, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, 12 receptions for 169 yards, nice. And then on the other side of the ball, you have Joe Flacco, got the starting nod this week and had a really nice game there, 262 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception for him. And his leading receiver, Bashad Perryman, goes five receptions for 101 yards, two touchdowns for him. Um, I believe, yeah, those are his first two touchdowns of the season um, both come in this game as he's obviously dealt with some injury battles. He was in um, Tampa Bay last season and had a relatively productive season down there with Miss Winston as the number three guy. Um, and, yeah, this is a really close game. I did not I, – I expected this to be pretty close, but I didn't think – that if New England was putting up 30 points, then New York would be able to hang around. And, you know, like, it's like, I've been a proprietor. You've all heard me say, like, I really like Sam Donald, and I think he's has some really untapped potential to him. But, I mean, as time goes on... And you see the Jets perform like significantly better with Joe Flacco. It's like okay, maybe Sam Donald doesn't. <laughs> maybe he's not as good as I as I think. You know, I, I I like Sam Donald. I'm a Sam Donald guy. I think he's got some great potential there to him if he's able to get in a good situation. But you know, when if he's a winner is still yet to so we'll, we'll figure that out eventually. The but the New England Patriots squeak out this um, Cam Newton out of. Did had a very Cam Newton this season-esque game. those for almost under 200 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's about exactly what Cam has has done this season. So, um, interesting. And he gets his yards, but no touchdown interceptions ever. And he rushes the ball a lot. He had a rushing touchdown actually. No no passing touchdowns, but some really clutch runs actually. Like I was very surprised. I and I think he played a really good game despite being pressured the whole game. Like it seems like the New York Jets were just able to have their will with the Patriots' offensive line for some reason. But whatever, man. Patriots weak out the win. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't good. But a win is a win.
0: That is something I have wanted to say. With the Steelers game this week, yeah, this is a game. You saw the Cowboys' defensive line, like, manhandle the Steelers' offensive line. Mm-hmm. And that was something I was not expecting. They got a lot of pressure early on. Um, a lot of young guys there. And that's, me and you went back and forth a little bit arguing whether juju was actually trying to celebrate on the star we, we found out he, he was because he had an interview yeah uh, so james connor stopped him and then if james connor wouldn't have stopped him there was yeah, <laughs> cowboys was, players yeah. there that were going to stop him.
1: i didn't think he did because originally all of it like i saw that and i was i kind of thought about it a minute when i saw it happen in the lifetime but i was like there's no evidence he just ran out of the end zone with the ball towards the midfield, like, towards the 50-yard line. Like, there's no time. He could have stopped anywhere before the 50-yard line. In theory, was what I was thinking. But then, looking at it more, I was like, okay, maybe he was heading towards it. And then I didn't, what I didn't catch the first time I watched the game that I actually did catch looking at some, like, film or not film, but, like, analysis of that. Celebration as he actually did with the Terrell Owens thing, where you know you throw the hands up in the air and set the ball on the ground, just not at the 50 yard line. So he definitely was going to, and I don't know, I don't know how that that may have caused a fight. There were some hand throwing things in this game already, but with late Vander Esch and yeah, I believe it was Deontay Johnson, but. You know, Chase Claypool was there, sticking up for his teammates as per usual. Oh, yeah. Chase
0: Claypool kind of had a rough game, though, for me to be honest. He had a couple drops. He
1: had a couple drops. He did did okay. But he still had, because he's on my fantasy bench. I picked him up, but I haven't started yet. I only... Oh, my bad. Oh, never mind. You go. Because it (laughs) froze.
0: I only know when Claypool does bad, because I follow this Instagram account and it's... I mentioned it before. There's a Steeler fan and there's a a Bengals fan and they run together and they always have these arguments between Connor and, and, uh, the uh, other Yeah. Run- Mixon, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Getting a little late here. And then this year they started at T Higgins versus Chase Claypool. And yeah, you see every single drop, either of those guys, you always see it because it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of toxic if we're going to be honest, but, uh, I got I like to see T Higgins drop the ball and I don't like to see Claypool drop the ball, but it is interesting. The arguments they have at times. <laughs>
1: That's funny. But, um, you to take a wild guess at, at how many receiving yards Chase Claypool had? Uh, 87. 69. You were wrong. Ah, nice. It was nice, though. Uh, <laughs> this was Juju's said, game, though. Yeah, this was Juju. And honestly, like, whether Juju is putting up amazing stats or not, um, when you watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, you just realize how important he is to the team, because, um, he makes the physical plays that not a lot of receivers like to make. And while I think definitely in the future Chase Claypool was going to be someone that makes those plays, um, I just don't think he's like physically mature enough to to be able to contort his body and and push off defenders yeah. like Schuster do consistently over here as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, and even like they needed like that first down, I believe it was last week, and he just he dove and sent his whole body for it, and somehow crazily got over the line. Or last week. His very close touchdown, where he got to like the one yard line, where he caught it like three yards out from the first down line, and was able to just stay on his feet and muscle his way toward. Um, and even yeah. he kind of on his way to, into the end zone this week. Um, he's a very strong receiver and a very physical. So he's he's definitely a very fun guy to watch.
0: Juju has basically become Heinz. Ward has basically become Heinz Ward at this point? <laughs> um, but Juju got ripped this off season. Juju got like Juju's ripped now. Juju's really strong. Juju, Juju and James Conner both put in work this offseason i think it's big
1: but. Mom, like juju's big but like james Conner's huge like there was the one were, like, the picture, you know he works out with Aaron donald a lot in the offseason which is obviously there's someone in this world short of like Dwayne the rock johnson that i'm gonna work out with <laughs> aaron donald is close up there if i want to get big and there was the one picture of like james Conner where he like had his lats out so you like try to make his back look bigger oh my Gosh, dude, that he's so big. Like, I don't understand how you can have, like, a human that big.
0: Yeah, I, I can dream. <laughs> yes, bro. But his arms, like, even James Conner, like, you don't see him just lay too many, like, mean stiff arms, but I feel like he could lay a really mean stiff arm.
1: Yeah, he definitely is more of a, a finesse move type of guy. He gets you with the spins and that You definitely, I feel like this season, like, as a whole – I think his all his pro bowl season was definitely his best season of his career. But I think this season, I I like what I'm seeing from his ball carrier vision a little bit more. Oh, yeah, like I think he performed better the one season, but I, a lot of times it looked like he didn't necessarily know what he wanted to do with the ball. And he would just kind of throw out spin moves and stuff like that every time he was getting hit just hoping that it would work but yeah, I definitely feel like he kind of picks his moves a little bit it'll work and you know does what he needs to do at that point. I like his ball carry vision he's kind of getting seeing the open field a little bit more than he has previously. But um I think last season I did I did agree with the, the take that James Conner wasn't overrated by but at this point I he might actually be underrated.
0: Because so. said he's overrated so many times. <laughs> but yeah. we you came out you heard Ben Roethlisberger come out and say that James Conner is at the top of his game. This is the best he's ever played. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a case of for that, but.
1: You yeah, know, I'll see what Ben say said. The the, win, the best he, fans in Dallas, the world. He, he said, he said you, can, you may call Dallas America's team, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are the world's team. Oh, yeah. And I like it. I like it. I don't actually know, but that's just something that my grandparents always tell me. Like, there are Steelers fans everywhere, and every, anywhere you go, you can find a Steelers bar. And you go watch the games with other fans, and it's like I don't actually know if that's true or not, but that's something my grandparents <laughs> shoved down my throat so that we're like the world's team, and there's fans everywhere because of the seven emergence of football in the seventies or whatever. We do I have always heard- diversified? There's polka, so
0: mm-hmm. I always heard that. Yeah, the NFL came to the Pittsburgh, and they asked the Roonies, "Do you want to be America's team? We can brand you as America's team." And they said, "They said no because we're Pittsburgh's team." That's what my my grand grandma always told me that that they, uh, they gave it all up, and they gave it to Dallas. But the Steelers are like, are America, like the real America's team, but they didn't want to like, make the, the Pittsburgh fans like feel let down or something. I don't know.
1: I've, I have heard that before. I don't actually know if that's true, but I like not being America's team because when you're America's team, quote-unquote, you're subject to so much criticism. Like, obviously, we know Dallas, every time Dallas loses, they they get destroyed by the media because, you know, they're America's team and that's what comes with it, right? Mm hmm. Whatever. Whatever, right? Pittsburgh pride, you know, you know
0: the wave. Mm hmm. But I guess but, it's been a good, it's been a pretty good show. I definitely say it was an above average Colton and Joe show. Uh, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of good games this week. I feel like football is really heated up. Like, these are the games, like, it's like we're. We really are like halfway through the season. Uh, before you kind of say like maybe they'll pick it back up, but at this point, almost every team is field has sealed their fate. Uh, the playoff race comes into fruition. The Steelers mm-hmm. are undefeated, and in all likelihood, the Steelers will go ten and zero because of the the schedules coming up. They're playing a lot of bad teams. Now I don't want to say anything too early yeah, because the Steelers like, sit to downplay, and, and I'm not going to jinx anything. But that was something. That has been said. (laughs) Yeah, the AFC playoff race
1: is a little bit less close than the rest of it. The there's, I'll admit, there are some good ones. Like the honestly, the NFC or the NFC, the AFC South. As much as we like to think the Titans are running away with it, they're they're not. Like the Colts right there. Like the Colts are very good. And um, there's obviously the AFC North. And I saw this thing now where it's like according to like ESPN's advanced statistics or whatever, like their model, um. Is like the eight and o Steelers have a lower chance of winning their division than the losing record Eagles. <laughs> but whatever, like yeah. that's still obviously a great division. Cleveland is battling with the Vegas Raiders for that last playoff spot there. And then in the NFC, obviously, the NFC West is such a loaded division. You have three teams that could potentially be playoff teams. Um, so that it's going to be interesting to see the playoff picture in the NFC for sure, especially when it gets down to it. In the last couple of weeks, um, it's going to get heated in the NFC, to say the least. Yeah. So
0: if I was going to give my my NFC playoff, if there's three. It's a There's three wild card teams now, right? Are they yeah. doing that offseason? Are they starting next? Okay. So tonight it's definitely, for me, it's definitely the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Ravens are the wild cards, and then. The winners of the divisions would be um I I think the Colts I think the Colts are going to come back and and, you and grab it. So hmm?
1: that would mean then that you think the Titans don't make the playoffs then.
0: Mm, okay, let me think this. I didn't this is very impromptu.
1: For Me, right. The, the division winners for me, the Steelers, I I still think the Titans are going to take it. Um
0: the Chiefs and the Bills. So I think I think all the same except for I think the Colts are gonna get the South. And I think the Dolphins are gonna I think the Dolphins and the Ravens are a lock for the wild card. So it comes down to Titans and
1: Ravens and Browns. I would not call the mm-hmm. Dolphins. Ravens are a lock to make the playoffs. But I would not call the Dolphins a lock at this point. Maybe maybe not at this point.
0: I guess that's let's see. Uh, AFC Colts teams. Let me a this. lock to
1: make it for me. So the Colts, Ravens, and then for me, the last spot is kind of a three way battle between cleveland vegas and miami yes uh yeah i guess
0: (laughs) you can say that definitely i don't know i haven't thought through this very much i if if we were going to do this a little bit more formally i have impromptu i make a lot of dumb uh statements so
1: (laughs) and the nfc though i still i think the philly's taking that division in the east green bay i don't know about the south the west is going to be seattle it's like do i think the saints or the Bucks? I think I'm going to say Bucks still, but both teams will make the playoffs. So one, one, then one of them will be if I if the Bucks win, you know no. So, so if the Bucks win it, then the Saints make the wild card easily. Yeah, and then thinking the Cardinals and probably then the Rams. The Rams, I like the Rams definitely. Because then well, who else do you have? The Rams and like the Vikings probably won't make it. No other team in the NFC East will make it. It's like <laughs> the Rams. If the Niners somehow hold on for dear life, and then like the Panthers, the
0: Panthers are team I had them as a seventh seed as my prediction, but they're they're playing well, but they're not getting wins. Like they're keeping up, but they they kind of have a hard schedule so far. Unlike
1: I the, think like, I'd, I'd be, yeah yeah, and I had the Bucks at six and Seattle at five because I thought that San Francisco would win the division. So yeah. it'll be interesting. It'll definitely. It'd definitely be an interesting race. So while I think the the NFC overall is a better conference for sure. um I think the AFC playoff picture is a little bit more competitive at this point. Yeah. we kind of know right now.
0: Who's- completely competent. You have to take in the value of four divisions and not just three. And then one team that's going to get a home, a home game just because of the way it's set up. <laughs> the Eagles yeah. are going to have a losing record and, being in the playoffs.
1: They're yeah, going to have a losing record in post-the-playoff game, which is, I really don't like. That's what I don't like. Because, like, I, it's, I I, wasn't really a proprietor of the seven-team-per-conference playoff system in general. I, You know, I didn't really like that. I, I expressed that. But I re- what I really don't like is that the leader of each conference or the leader of each division automatically is the playoffs, for one. Um, but... Even more so than that, I don't like that they're the top four seeds just because they're the division. Like, even if you wanted to say that, like, okay, one team from every division has to make the playoffs, I would still put. You could still put them in the playoffs, but not make them a the top four seed. Like, you could take the playoff teams and then sort them by things. And I personally, I would like to do it how the NBA does it, where. Divisions are only matter because of who you're playing a little bit more. And obviously, like they just take the top six teams per conference would be my recommendation, but whatever. Maybe you can take seven. I- I'd just rather take the top six or seven teams per conference in the playoffs than have a situation like we're going to have this season with a potential losing record team that's hosting a playoff game, whatever.
0: I feel like there's a lot to do with tradition there in the NFL, and, and that's just yeah. how it's been for a long but I definitely, like, I never really cared in the past because I never felt like there was any division that was so, like, I feel like there's never, like, I've never had a division this bad as the NFC East is. And I'm, maybe I'm just, I don't know about as many divisions because I know they've been losing teams with losing records before because they won the division. But if they were, like, 7-8-1, and one, you know, like, yeah it's, I think the Raiders made it one time at 7-8-1 and one, if I, I think I heard remember hearing that somewhere, but like like what where even are the records of the of the Eagles right now? They're like are they make they have three wins, is that right? I think they have three, yeah. Maybe they only have two I don't know. By the way, it's two, bad. Team, a two win team when there's it's week nine and there's a two win team that's in the lead of a division <laughs> and they're gonna get to like be a top four seed. Like I like the fact that every like you get to be like a there's a divisional playoff race as well as a conference playoff race for, like, the the wild card. But then, yeah, then they have to be, they're going to be, like, the number four seed, and they're going to be a first-round exit for sure. It's not going to be a fun game, and, you know, that's...
1: Yeah, I'm with you, but, you know, something that we will never change as much as we yell at him, <laughs> and this gang of gaggle of people. I don't know what they really do up in, in the NFL League office, but...
0: Yeah, So it's currently 11.50 yeah. on November 9th. So, it's been a good day. It's been a good episode. I exactly. hope you enjoyed our analysis there. Um, Again, say if there's anything we should change about our, if you know anything about microphones, change up our microphone setup so it sounds a little bit better or whatever. I think it sounded good last time, but yeah. I am no
1: microphone expert. I don't know. I I I, I think the microphone sounds good. My, I probably sound <laughs> soft right now because my headphones died because we were on for like 20 minutes before um we started working. But, you know, stuff happens, so. But it has been a good one. We gave our analysis. We'll be back on Wednesday with um, our midseason. I guess it's later than midseason now, but our, you know, our prediction, our season awards. So we'll we'll give you those. Yeah, we'll be back then. So, you know, the wave from Syria and Joe show we are.